Well, I'm here in London uh, for dual purposes. I was at the uh, the Future Stack conference for New Relic at their on the partner panel. There was actually a, a fun discussion of uh, I thought we were going to have to talk about like how great our partnership is and everything, but they just wanted to know about DevOps, so that was that was a lot easier. Uh, you know, here's a pro tip. I don't know if you do this, Richard, but you should ask for the questions they're going to ask ahead of time or the themes which thankfully I got late last night so I could think about these, <laughs> these DevOpsy things. Yeah, you were well-prepared. Mm. Yeah, always, always. I, was, I, I prefer to think of it as I was uh, optimizing um, my margins by just-in-time preparing, as, as it were. But no, I, I got them last night, so I had some time on the plane to, to sort out the answers. You know, it was, it was the usual exciting things. Uh, uh, what do people start with automation or development first? You know, of course, the answer is both. Otherwise, I, I said, you know, automation, because uh, if it takes you like six months to ship, all of your great development is for not using sort of like lean gold ratney in theory. Gold ratian? Anyways, and then uh, I think the other one was like, uh, what metrics do people use? And I've kind of forgotten the third one. I should look that up. Anyways. But that's not, what, that's not what I was going to talk about. I'm also here for a meetup that if you want to go to, uh, you know, if you listen to this show right when it's uh, released and you live in <laughs> London, it's tomorrow night, August the 2nd, on metrics, what Cote has figured out so far. Yeah, October the 2nd. Isn't that okay, tomorrow? You said August. Oh, I thought you no. had a DeLorean. No, so no, sure no, 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 no. Right Man, that would be nice. You know, that would be a fun, a fun episode one day is uh, if you could go back one month, what would you do differently? I guess that was two months. Anyways, uh, but anyway, so while we were there, a uh, some sort of door or fire alarm went off, um, and and I recalled the last one of the last times I was in London presenting at the uh, the register conference. During my talk, a fire alarm went off right before the best joke in the whole presentation, and we all had to leave the building. And then as we were starting, I looked up the TV in my hotel room here. And it says, please be advised that today at 4 p.m. we will be undertaking our weekly planned fire alarm test. So I don't know what the deal is with me in London, but I really bring the fire alarm testing uh, when I come to town here. So people should just prepare. So if in about 20 minutes you hear a fire <laughs> alarm, everything's fine. That's as, as they say, this test is an essential requirement in order to guarantee your health and safety with health and safety capitalized for some reason. Uh, so that's just a warning for, for what's going yeah. on. But last week, so we, we, were at, we were at Spring One Platform 2018 yeah. in uh, National Harbor. How did it go right. for you? It went well. We didn't have any fire alarms, but there was a bat in the uh, <laughs> keynote hall. So that was mm. arguably the most exciting thing for me for the week. Really? Yeah, I saw it. Like, it was pretty awesome. Like, that bat's flown out, flying overhead. Huh. That was, there was no mistaking it. That was a bat. You know, you remember that, you remember that story, uh, that story, that movie American Beauty, where there was a guy with a uh, camcorder and plastic bags and how, uh -huh. how artful they were? Like, I think, I think, you know, a, a lighter version of that might be like birds in grocery stores. Like, I'm sure that's a phenomena you have where there's just like a bird in a grocery store all of a sudden, just kind of sadly flying around trying to figure out if it's going to like live there for the rest of its life or or like or like not kill itself bumping into things as it flies out those those relatively tiny doors to the the, yeah. the rest of the thing. No, I was I was obsessed with his backstory. Like I really <laughs> wanted to know <laughs> yeah, how did he get there? Was uh -huh. his future just going to be in that conference hall just dive bombing speakers? Like that'd be an amazing life for him. Uh, hopefully he learned uh -huh. about digital transformation 
and, and well, dash have out. to if you're going to listen to the spring one main stage yeah you'll have to be inspired <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it was a it was a good show you know in the moment it always feels so frantic and manic and and I can't wait for it to kind of be done. And then by like three days later, I'm like, that was a really good show. I had a great time. But yeah. it takes it takes like being away from the show to actually appreciate it. It's true. It's true. Yeah, there were there were several. Uh, you know, we had we had uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry 2.3 uh, announced and uh, Pivotal Container Service 1.2. And there's there's as always from your team, there are extensive write ups uh, of, of everything that's running around in there. I, I was I was looking at the. Um, the PCF releases and among many other things, you know, back, back long ago when I developed, I, uh, I did J2EE, uh, back when there was a two in it. And uh, I w- as I was reading it, I was occurring like, Oh, there's all these services in the platform now. Like when I, when I joined uh pivotal, like three years ago, I think a lot of PCF, there were services in it, but a lot of the discussion was, um, I don't know, operational sort of like core compute and uh hooking you know a little bit of the networking and hooking components together and building uh building the containerized apps and things like that but in recent times in addition to like you know there's a whole slew of security uh stuff and there's always like some isolation and managing your your sort of multi-tenant from the perspective of you know spaces and orgs and stuff in pcf but each release, there's a lot of new features that are in there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, services that are in there, which, you know, are essentially to some extent middleware that you might have. Uh, but there's also things like, you know, what set me on this this trail of thinking was that there's a to disambiguate from container land. There's a task set scheduler uh, in there, right. which I remember. Uh, you know, it'd be old man Cote. I remember back in the day of J2EE. You know, scheduling things was a uh, it was it was a a difficult but fun task to use. Like I think we used like courts or something. I don't know. Mm. I for, I forget what like the big uh, open source Java scheduler was back then. But it it was like understanding how two phase commits worked, uh, and then and then also understanding how to tune a JVM. Those are right there with like understanding how to schedule things and uh, f- figure out that working. So, anyways, I mean that's that's sort of like my major yeah. uh, takeaway without detailing the PCF release so much. Yeah, that was good. I'm going to be endorsing you on LinkedIn for JVM tuning. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be a big day for you today. Thank uh, you. But yeah, there was there was a, <laughs> a, a number of good PCF announcements as we talked about PAS 2.3 or PCF 2.3. We had we've had uh, Jared on talking about some of these releases in the past. But you know the CredHub stuff, as you mentioned, the services. Like I went to a few CredHub talks and. Like that's pretty sweet stuff for storing credentials, using it for your apps, you know, even generating certificates now that you can use. So like those are ancillary services you might not think of that you have to bolt on, but like that's just all in there. Or service discovery or Spring Cloud Dataflow keeps doing some really cool stuff in PCF itself and HealthWatch. So yeah, it was a nice highlight of that. And then we had the PKS announcement as well with Amazon web services support and multi-master support and a lot of good stuff there. So yeah, the kind of flagship announcements around PCF, but there were a ton of spring announcements. We have a link in the, the show notes to Spring Tools 4. This is if you like building spring apps, but don't want to just use Eclipse. You can use Atom. You can use Visual Studio Code. That's all in these various marketplaces and things. So a lot of spring-based announcements, Spring Framework 5.1. You know, a lot of great things. RSocket, kinda, I saw a story written up today on InfoQ about RSocket, and we announced that. This was this new protocol-level 
thing that works kind of at layer seven, but for more reactive systems developed by Facebook and Pivotal and Netify and kind of these companies coming together to build maybe a more efficient communication protocol versus just straight HTTP. So a lot of really neat things came out last week that I think surprised some folks. Yeah, and and we as I was as I was going over stuff, what how would you uh, how how is the .NET stuff doing in PCF? Since you're since you're a uh, you know Microsoft MVP, you you must have yes. an opinion. Thanks for reminding people. Uh, we did <laughs> do a, uh, another Windows update, Windows Server eighteen oh three. It's not just the versions anymore. Now they more or less ship Windows Server every six months, and I believe it. The support is only like eighteen months. So you're getting these Windows shops into this world where it's being updated all the time, which is weird for companies still sitting on Windows Server two thousand three or two thousand eight or these versions. So the fact that we bake it into the platform and just roll it out there with no downtime is nice. So a lot of good improvements there. I actually moderated a panel with a woman from Fiserv and a fellow from Magenic, the consulting firm, kind of talking about their transformation with .NET. And he was, uh, the Magenic fellow was dogging me a bit that there wasn't even more .NET content at Spring One. So we've got to up our game to have even more talks, but there was great number of talks this year, more than ever on .NET, around Windows. So you'll probably see more and more of that as, as we think that's a big bet for us. And our customers seem to like having a, a decent Windows story that's all managed by the platform. And, and uh, you know, to add to the reasons why I should be endorsed on uh, <laughs> J2E, you know, I probably already have an endorsement for that, being the fancy pants that I am. We'll see. It's probably right next to, like, uh, styrofoam <laughs> peanut construction from, from that era a couple of years ago where people would just make up crazy LinkedIn endorsements. Uh but anyhow, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think one of the other things that's that's uh, that's notable is uh, that uh, you know, of course, the operating the embedded operating system was updated, and in uh, PKS the, the the Kubernetes instance was updated, and you know, this the following kind of falls into a little bit of the uh, let's call it EBC sort of like uh, you know fear sort of inducing stuff. But there is a good example uh, related I was reading to the need to patch things and uh, keep things updated. And yep. uh, you might remember last year, maybe you don't, but well, you probably do because you would notice this kind of thing like me that there was, I don't know, I think 15 hours where you couldn't file your taxes in the US with the IRS. Right. And uh, I came across, I think it came out a couple of weeks ago, I came across a um, I don't know, a postmortem. It's like this fun, well, fun, if you enjoy reading about train wrecks. Uh, it's this fun <laughs> postmortem. And basically, there was this known uh, firmware problem in a storage array they were using. And uh, I think they had sort of been notified like a couple of times. But more importantly, like any large organization, especially in the government, they had outsourced it to someone else. And for some reason, the outsourcers hadn't updated it. So, you know, you should patch these things. I think right. I think it was in some sort of deadlock situation, but it is also uh, you know on this this little uh, digression here. Uh, as I was tweeting about uh, where one puts this kind of commentary, there's kind of a uh, there's kind of a depressing, blameful post mortem in it, where several times they're basically just like, "Here's the people who screwed up, and we should punish them by extracting cash from it." And uh, I don't know. It's 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 a uh, it's kind of a um, it's a read a good read of like how not to uh, mm. do things. Not even the the patching part, but there must be something uh, a little better that the analysis they could have done. So you know, it's good to make sure you no patch doubt. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some other things that we uh, had in the news were 
We mentioned it last week, but Amazon shipped a beta of their new service brokers. They built one that helps you connect your PCF apps to, I think it's 18 different Amazon services from machine learning to data services, things like that. So it was a great partnership. They were out there uh, in force as well at Spring One supporting that and, and talking about that. So between PKS and the service broker, some good good stories for Amazon customers using Pivotal technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then also uh, we may have other partners that I'm excluding in this area. But because I'm at the Future Stack thing, New Relics Conference, uh, they had, they had a, a little um, – I don't know, thing they released last week that's basically, uh, you know, if you're familiar with with Pivotal stuff, we have this concept of uh, the five S's, which are a way of grouping together the uh, sort of performance and business metrics that, you know, you could call them KPIs, but the numbers that you're interested in, why you would you do things a pivotal way and what you would track afterwards. And uh, I, I uh, well, I will embarrass myself by saying why I'm not going to embarrass myself. I don't really have them all memorized, but oh. they all start with S. Maybe, maybe you know them better than I do. But anyways, uh, I'll let you skirt by by not making you recite them. But uh, there's there's a blog post which I'll link to, and uh, New Relic did an interesting. Um, they have an interest. I don't know what they call it, a package, but basically they have five dashboards and I think a roll up dashboard that's oriented around uh, metricing and reporting on those five S's, which is which is great. It's a good uh, it's a good reference of how you would you would implement these things, and of course visuals, which I am planning on stealing for my presentation tomorrow to go nice. over briefly in addition to our own our own methodology. And then uh and then finally uh as as people a few people kindly told me uh we're going to have a conference in Austin next year on October 7th and 10th which is exciting uh you know as as often happens I no longer live there so uh <laughs> you know I, it it won't be a great advantage but I'll get to go visit my storage lockers I think uh, I'll just sort of like open them up and maybe lie down and just like feel my stuff see how everything's going there uh, in storage locker land. I had a, a little bit of a, a panic. I didn't quite remember where I put the keys for my storage lockers. But then like a, like a good boy, I had put it in my backpack, which is sort of the equivalent of like the purse that I never lose. So uh, it's in there. I was smart. I knew I would lose it. So I put it in the place I knew would always exist. Always thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, what else did you see uh, happening last week? Yeah, it was a big news week in general last week. So it was uh, tough to keep up with everything, but Microsoft had their giant conference. Actually, flew down Thursday after Spring One and got, went and spoke at that mm, one on Friday. I saw that. But, yeah, yeah, because I make good choices. But that was <laughs> uh, they made a number of announcements. The ones that caught my eye, the one I pointed out here in our show notes was their Cosmos DB. This is their Planet Scale NoSQL database. They made some cool updates to that, actually adding multi-master, meaning you could have this database striped across, let's say, five or six geographies and each one is actually a master to read and write so you're not just having the sort of lag of like well we only write in the u.s and it eventually replicates to europe no i could still write it in europe and it's actually still considered the master so some really neat stuff there from a database perspective and then they added an sla that's actually five nines for read and write which i don't know if i've seen that in a in a cloud database in terms of that much availability for both read and write so just doing some good stuff in Microsoft land if you're looking at distributed databases. And, you know, PCF plug, if you use the Azure Service Broker, you can connect that easily from your dot, from your apps, .NET or Java or whatever from uh, anything running at PCF, which is pretty cool. You, you, you know, uh, on, on the topic of cloud databases, which, which comes up every now and then in our little review, uh, you know how people say that like releasing 
to production should be boring, by which they mean you should uh, automate as much of it as po- as possible with not only automation stuff, whether yeah. that be a platform or other things, but then also uh, standardize on your practices uh, and standardize to the extent that maybe you don't even think that they are that you're having to choose something like like okay. I, I was I was reading some uh, I forget what it was, but I was rereading some some old like you know how to do software better stuff. I think it was in the the Puppet DevOps report, or maybe it was the Dora one. And and they were saying, uh, you know, it's okay to be sort of lockstep about things you should do because that's what a best practice is, <laughs> right? Like like if you develop a best practice, there shouldn't be any any argument about, like, for example, we should probably just not write a file system and use the file system that comes with it. Anyways, uh, with all the, the sort of cloud uh, databases out there. Do you, do you think we either are or will quickly approach the point where like databases are no longer like hard or difficult, like in the same way that in theory, like deploying to, to, uh, you know, infrastructure isn't, isn't that difficult. And I asked because it seems like databases have always been like this mystery and this like difficult thing, but maybe if you remove a lot of the tension of having to stand them up and manage them, then they're not such a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, some, you know, thought there. I think it's there's two parts to it, though. I guess there's the the complexity of managing them and using and you know standing mm-hmm. them up, maintaining them, patching them, which has clearly gotten simpler in a cloud world. I mean, you and I can go provision a global scale database in the next three minutes. Like that's amazing, right? And it's automatically patched and it's replicated and backed up. Like those sort of traditional DBA tasks in terms of operations mm. have largely started to disappear and even on premises. Now you still need certain things. You still may need an index. You still may need, you know, certain components that you operate, but that sort of stuff has gotten simpler. I wonder on the app dev side though, like, is that still, you know, it still may be tricky on what's the shape of my data. Should I write a stored procedure or put my stuff in code instead? Or, yeah. you know, how do I change a data field and go from full name to split it to two fields to first name, last name? How do I refactor that in my data? Like, that stuff's still not trivial. There's patterns for it. But I, I haven't seen that got e- get easy yet, if you will. No, yeah, that, that's that's a good that's a good uh, cutting through all my babbling there. Because that, that was kind of like the analogy I, I was thinking of is like, uh, you could say, you could say like with all your cloud stuff that, uh, doing all of your, as I would call it sort of like more lock level, like management and operations and release management, you can remove that from the overall, like software delivery pie of suffering, <laughs> right? So you can kind of like, you can kind of like take that effort out so you can spend effort on other things. And then, however, it's still difficult to like design good software and make good product, right? Like there's no, uh, I don't know. We don't have a build pack for that. That's just like (laughs) pops out good software on the other end. And, and it it seems like in a similar way, like just as you were saying, as there are more cloud public cloud databases, or I guess like managed down, uh, in the private cloud, let's just say databases that are managed in a cloud way, wherever they are on the side of the firewall, like it removes all of that nonsense from from our our pie of suffering, and then you can worry about like schema design. I don't know mm-hmm. what, whatever the equivalent of design is in a database, and you can spend much more effort on that. But you know, I'm not a database person. We need we should get those uh, those data cow people or like you remember you ever read that uh, all the agile database stuff that Scott Ambler wrote that that was that was kind of uh, fun. 
Yeah, I attended a talk of his back at the Agile conference this summer, and he was talking actually about refactoring databases and not using that as an excuse to slow down velocity. So there's a good good movement at hand, I think, to make sure we demystify kind of Agile data as part of the pipeline. All that automation you just mentioned, like it doesn't matter if I automate all the app delivery if I'm still waiting for a DBA team to run a script to update a field. Like then mm. I, I might as well not automate the rest of it. What's the point? Exactly. Still gets, that's still my constraint. So yeah, it's good to see more and more about that, although I don't see a ton of simple patterns always evangelized. We could probably do better there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think his book on uh, dad or disciplined agile deliveries, the only book I've seen where there's mind maps sort of printed mm as the overview, nice. which which is nice. Speaking of, how's your book going? Uh, the first draft I delivered the Friday before spring one. Wow, so what a machine. I'm a monster. Luckily, it's one of those smaller O'Reilly books, so I'm not taking credit for like a 500-page monster. Uh, it's like 100 so pages. You get, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. But uh, yeah, so I'm waiting for the first brutal reviews back, and then I got to, of course, make like 30 updates because technology keeps changing. Thanks mm. a lot, technology. Yeah, yeah. brutal updates. That's that's always exciting. Well, uh, you were suggesting, rightly so, that we should give a, a summary other, other than sort of the releases of like uh, yeah. some some of our highlights and, as they say, takeaways from uh, Spring One platform last week. Now, I didn't I didn't do uh, despite being here at the Future Stack thing. I didn't attend like the uh, Partner Award thing or sort of conference. Although, I did get a challenge code from our uh, from Nima, our, our partner person, a challenge oh, coin. So uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have to do something with that. It seems like a good paperweight, but I'm not sure a situation's ever going to come up where I need to pull out a challenge coin so I can <laughs> sort of pass muster. We'll see. I should have brought it to this event, I guess. I failed. Uh, come on. But, but how... Uh, yeah, how come it's not in your, your man purse backpack there? Oh, there you go. Oh, fire alarm. Fire alarm. So while I mute this, why don't you tell me the, uh, the, the partner spark? Sure. Yeah, so at the, this spring one, we had our first ever partner awards. So we gave out I think a, a couple dozen or so uh, awards, different partners, you know, SI Partner of the Year, Do the Right Thing. A number of things to just demonstrate things that have worked well with our partnerships, kind of customer impact and the like. So we highlighted a number of those, sent out a press release, put together some great material. And it was it seemed to be well-received. We have an amazing partner ecosystem at this point of system integrators, of software vendors. And so it was good to highlight those. We had a partner offsite on the first day of the conference, or I guess day zero on Monday, just bursting at the seams, kind of working together. How do we help these partners accelerate what they're doing with us? How do we learn what they need from Pivotal and, and from customers? So that was extremely successful. It was rewarding to see all the hard work that our partner team puts into building a great ecosystem kind of come to fruition at the conference. The show floor was bustling with all the partner booths who seemed to be packed at a lot of times. And it was, you know, I walked around, I think the last day of the conference just to kind of shake hands and, and talk to each person, find out what they had kind of taken from the conference, each of the partners at the booth. So it was just a good partner show. And I think it was probably the best we've done so far and a, a good indicator that this thing might actually stick. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the conference was actually like, I guess, it, did it start on Saturday? I forget. Or was it on Monday? I mean, pretend, it started? pretend started on Monday. Obviously, that's the, right. Pre-team pre got there Friday. But yeah, the, Sunday the, was there. Monday was the real first day. You know, sometimes there's like workshops on Sunday yep. or workshop Lots. days. But I'll, yeah, on Monday, there was a uh, an analyst day, which I, I have to admit, I did not attend all of. But uh, the the two sections that I made sure to attend were the um, the customers talking, which which is always interesting, and then the uh, you know the executive Q and A is always fun to see what analysts ask, and then I guess also what what my coworkers answer 
that's that's fun. <laughs> uh, but I think I think the uh, you know some of the some of the things are are under NDA and not in an analyst event. But uh, later on, there was there was a, a, a keynote by one of them, the uh, the Rabobank guy. Uh, yep. You know, now now I'm I'm much more familiar a large Dutch bank. And, um, you know, I, I think I think what was interesting about his his keynote and, and uh, uh, what he was talking about in the analyst day was uh, the, the sort of like general cultural sort of path that they went down to to have things to get pivotal cloud foundry in there. Like his his uh, his posing of it was that essentially they were convinced of like doing agile and DevOps and they kind of had that under control. And I don't know if it's unlike a lot of people that we work with, but it's certainly not maybe the majority of people, at least that I know of, but it is very, they were very interested in just looking at pivotal cloud foundry as just like the tool they would use to accomplish this, uh, which, which I think was uh, uh, an interesting pull in that they were doing. And also uh, you know, I'll have to uh, I'll have to go look at look at his his keynote again to make sure it matches the tone that he had in the analyst day. But I would say if there there you know there are few better representations of like the Dutch humor I've encountered than, <laughs> than the one he was doing. He's very like very not like dry like English people, but he just sort of like marches through some jokes without mm-hmm. necessarily <laughs> waiting for you to catch up. So you got to be pretty quick that like oh he's joking right now. And uh, there, there were some good zingers in there. That's funny. Yeah, I thought he had a great talk. And it was, I mean, you mentioned this elsewhere too. Like, again, this idea of just tools. I think I just heard over and over again, the U.S. Air Force did this, a bunch of others, of just the sort of, like, we had to do a few things to make this successful. This wasn't just any product. And, like, we all know that. Like, no one product fixes anything. That's insane. No one platform. And it was that way of working sort of stuff. I actually had jotted down, I was reading transcripts today, and there was a Boeing discussion on kind of moving fast and automation. One of the panelists said, you know, quoting here, the hardest part about the transformation was actually the fact that the users we were interviewing couldn't comprehend a world of actual automation and self-service. Like it was so beyond their, to think, wait, you're going to do all this stuff? Like you had to even just sell this idea of working in a different way, ignoring the technology. So I thought that was always a good undercurrent, that this is a complementary set of pieces of how do you run technology well? How do you rethink how maybe you develop software and do product design stuff and automate the path to production? And yes, there's tools and tech that makes a ton of sense there. But if you don't come in in it with the right mindset or have the right empathy for your customers, it's all just going to be disappointing shelfware. Yeah. And I, I, it was nice to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was a theme that, that came up here and there was the... Uh... To, to put it in an extreme way, like when, once once you get things optimized as far as like not like kind of we were talking about earlier with databases uh, analogously that you don't have to worry about uh, automating this or releasing it or whatever. Uh, there's often a phase you go through where no one believes you. <laughs> and so and so you've got to like you've got to like emphasize to them that it's sort of like actually real and uh, and these things happen, which I think uh you know, you, you you mentioned the Air Force. I mean, they had they had a pretty good update to their their ongoing story. What uh, what 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 did, what did you think about their talk? I thought that was you know interesting, inspiring. It, it's fun to see how they're trying to improve. You know, again, having them them on stage talking about the main stage, talking about their progress and how well they're shipping software. And for some reason, I don't usually take pleasure in the pain of others. Like that's not my my thing. <laughs> but it was during that talk, it was fun to see somebody tweak. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the Air Force ships more often than we do. Like we suck. And I I like that. Like you're looking at these companies going, wow, 
like they're doing this. And I think it was also this reminder that better doesn't equal good. Like I could be better than I was last year. I could be now shipping every six months instead of every 12 months, but I need those reminders that that might not be good yet. I need to look at what good is. And in this case, Air Force was saying, look, here's our journey. We're now saving half a million dollars a day on fuel because of this fuel tanker improvement thing. And hey, we're shipping code so often now. And then I went to one of the US Air Force breakouts where they were actually putting this in so many PCF and so many remote sites and doing this faster than they'd ever done. But again, it was still this journey of like, okay, now we have to operate this thing. What does good look like from a day two perspective, not just getting it up and declaring victory? So their whole thing at the show I thought was fascinating as they talked about what they were trying to do, how they were using software to get better, what that actually meant to their own people and how excited their own people were about doing some of this work and getting better at software and not fighting bureaucracy. So I thought the Air Force team did a really nice job putting their work into perspective as well as what the outcomes were. They weren't done, but they were showing a nice progress report. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I particularly like that because of, uh, I don't know, for numerous reasons other than it's a good idea, like have, have studied the, the, the Air Force case quite a bit, like finding all the little bits I can and tracking uh, their projects over the past couple of years. And so one, it was good just to get an update of, of right. uh, what the numbers are and things like that. And then as, as you pointed out, so the original number, uh, essentially, you know, the most famous one they have is this like Project Jigsaw, which of course is all capitalized and probably stands <laughs> for something. Um, they also have like great names like uh, Raven and Marauder and, and these, these other things. Marauder is one of the underappreciated words in the English language, I think. Like, do you remember when there was a muscle car in that tragic period in the late 90s when all car american cars looked terrible called the marauder it was basically like kind of like a uh, like a monte carlo that was like carved down it was quite the automobile anyhow uh they they were going over originally when when their tanker planner thing came out just a plan where tankers fly around to refuel jets you know, the, the number was like they were saving $284,000 a day in fuel because they optimized the analytics behind it so much because it was no longer a whiteboard. It was software uh, that they didn't have to put an extra tanker up to account for errors in the, the analog computation that was happening. Um, and then, like you pointed out, I think there was further, uh, I'm assuming, further features that they added and sort of like an evolution of the problem where they... I, I can't do the math in my head, but it, they around doubled the amount of savings that they had. And I, if I remember, right. they also like reduced the amount of like operators or people needed mm -hmm. to run the program. So maybe they talk about that longer, more in the session that I, I didn't attend. But that I think that kind of story, that sort of year over year thing is uh, is useful for looking at that. It's not just sort of, you know, this is the other side of the tools thing that installing like a pivotal cloud foundry or whatever tool you might have. It's not just sort of like a one-time boost uh, that you get, but it really puts in place this thing, as in the case with the Air Force, where every week you can like release a feature or two and study it and and uh, slowly is the wrong word, but to use the idiom, slowly yeah. but surely approve, improve the uh, the business process that, that Always. you're applying it to. Yeah, I love the, one of those breakouts, what they had mentioned is it was funny the impact that had on culture. Like, first of all, Yes, that they weren't just big banging, releasing something, all moving on to something else, that software's always just shipped, it's never done. But what they noticed is that when there are other business clients, if you will, I guess there's business clients in the Air Force, that when there's other clients, that when they saw that software was just kind of constantly iterated on, they would actually call up and pull over an airman or an engineer going like, hey, this isn't working, can you sit with me, can I show you this? Because they know it's actually going to get fixed. 
It's not like, let me just send it into some faceless help desk where maybe four releases from now in three years it'll get fixed. It was, hey, let me call you over or let me give you a feature idea. Because again, it was this constant uh, just sense that I will give you new ideas and those new ideas, if they're good ones, will get reflected fairly quickly here. And that was completely new to them, but it, it created actually a new partnership where it wasn't just, again, IT and the business, which are terms I hate, but it was the idea of like, we're <laughs> right. all in on this, right? We're all trying to make this better and you've proven to me, like you've proven that you can take my input and turn that into software. I thought that was really neat. It was a, it was a cool switch to see them flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, you know, there, there's... B- building up, there's there's two other things I noticed a lot in the uh, the discussion with let's call them end users or not pivotal people <laughs> at, at the conference. And one of them was, you, you know, you're kind of alluding to this is that one of the needs and the air forces in the talks I give are always very clear about this because of the I think it's because of the the comp structure that they have and and the hiring that they have to do. Um, and and there was some discussion from one of the um, uh, the civilian heads who who was speaking uh, on their behalf, but basically hiring is really hard. <laughs> like people people who do technical things, uh, you know, the kind of people you would want for programming and operation stuff. It's hard to not only get them, but because of various weird reasons, it's hard to retain them. Um, even retaining them beyond just wanting to be in the job, but you can only like work for six months or something. It, it, it was, it was one of these situations where it was like, you know, you can't fight city hall or Congress in this case, just some weird regulation. But this similar thing came up, um, you know, whether it was people talking at the analyst day or just customers I would talk with, you know, over lunch or in the hallway, which was, and I, I mentioned this because I don't take it too seriously is like, we got to figure out how to like hire and retain people. <laughs> like that's right. really difficult. And so part of the joy, I guess, that comes with not doing more locky and drudge work, the toil, that's one way of making people happier to retain them and then kind of tell them uh, when we're trying to recruit them. But also just showing up to events like this and talking about what we're doing and how we're helping people out is a good recruiting mechanism uh, as well. I mean, every, everyone laughs in a keynote when they do this, but, you know, of mm. course they do it. They're like, we're hiring. You should come work right. for us. And I think I think I think that, uh, you know, the other the other thing that I noticed that kind of you see in the the Air Force example and that came up with a lot of a lot of the talks and, and the conversations that I had with people is basically, I mean, I don't know, this is kind of an obvious thing, but talking with people made me realize it uh, a lot more, is a lot of what these these organizations are doing is basically becoming a, uh, a, pro- a software product-centric company, which I think, you know, forever, we've been talking about how, uh, you know, everyone's a software company or, 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 or whatever, which I'm sure I've said that here. It always like ment- mentally like grinds in my head because I'm like, I feel like unless you're selling software as your product, you're not a software company. Right. Exactly. In the same way that like, you know, if you're delivering packages, maybe you're not a transport company. I don't know. Like, or, or I guess the equivalent would be like, you know, we realize that we're an experienced delivery mechanism, but really you just <laughs> like, you're just like the catering for airlines or something, which nothing wrong with catering for airlines. It's just like, maybe you're just cater for airlines. So anyways, but I, I think, I think the kind of toned down version of that is a lot of what people are talking through is like, basically we need to become a product company, which has two effects. One, 
um, you know, we were kind of stumbling through this with like, uh, do they, are there business people in the air force or whatever? Um, the phrasing for this always gets fraught when you cross between, uh, for-profit enterprises and mission enterprises. I don't, I don't know how to categorize public sector. Um, as I just proved, it's hard to use the words anyways. Uh, <laughs> but you know, what you're getting at in both of those organizations is that we're delivering a product. Uh, and so we should do things in a design oriented way and all the usual agile stuff we talk about. And one of the things, uh, I was talking with, um, a couple of people about, um, is that also on the other side of it, like if we go up to the mythical C-suite or, you know, the, the, the agile side, like we need to get to the point where they understand, um, the tools that are available to them to change their business. And there's a couple of examples you could think of, like in retail, there's uh, probably like omni-channel stuff you should look at, right? So on the non-IT side of the house, people should think about like, well, what if we had a mobile phone to buy groceries or whatever, which people do, but it's just a simple example. Um, but then I think, I think the, uh, you know, the analogous thing I was thinking of was like, Probably at some point, like maybe, I don't know when aerosol cans were invented, but maybe in the 20s or something, I'm sure all the way up to like in the shaving care industry, like up to the board level, there was probably some presentation where they were like, this new technology called aerosol spray cans is going to change everything. And, you know, eventually we should get to that point where uh, the sort of like leadership in a company is understanding somehow this, this, what this technology can do for them as far as like mm -hmm. doing weekly releases and doing better design. And, uh, hopefully over the next few years, that will be sort of like a, uh, I don't know, a more pervasive thing than we have currently. Cause we're still kind of like, you know, the IT more locks, uh, it seems like to the vast majority of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Speaking think of the IT more locks, I was, uh, as you think of the other, sort of things that you hope become ubiquitous all the way up to that thread. I was reading, again, a transcript this morning from the Wells Fargo presentation. They, it, it's great to see all these new customers on stage, StubHub and DBS Bank and Wells Fargo and Dick Sporting Goods and, and others. But the Wells Fargo team was talking about repaving. And I like that that's starting to become more of a thing. And so they're saying, look, we've got 15, 18,000 VMs in our overall, all our PCF environments. Our mandate by the end of next year is to repave daily. We're doing it now every two to three days. So they're just talking about how do we rebuild our entire environments every day with gold images, always patched, all up to date, no downtime, and just making that like a thing. Saying like, hey, if we want to be secure, that means having a much more aggressive approach to how we build infrastructure and rebuild it. Like that's just so neat to me that yeah. something that we've talked about for a bit, hopefully that keeps moving up the chain so that these maybe executive suite folks go, why are we rebuilding VMs every day? Like that seems like a lot of work. Like, no, no, <laughs> this is what we're getting. Automation makes it possible. And this is a sort of security profile and results that have come from that. And like, that's a technology thing that someone even who might be a, a line of business lead goes, yeah, I get that. How do I get more of that? So I like that some of those even technical concepts are moving up into leadership teams to other people. And I, I think that's pretty inspiring stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think security is a good example of what I was grasping at to have the, uh, you know, move beyond Morlocks knowing about stuff, which is, you know, I, I think most people in a company, especially the leadership, whether they're technical or not, know that security is important and is something they need to worry about. 
And uh, unfortunately, I think their knowledge is motivated by like negative forces, <laughs> like like it's something that we need uh, to survive. And and you know maybe it w- it would be great if what we in the software world could offer was a more like positive force. Like here's here's something you don't do because you will get fired if you don't. But here's something you can do that's like a positive growth mechanism uh, that you can take advantage of. So so. We'll see what goes on there. And then speaking of, that was my uh, my my keynote thing to pick. The uh, I need to go back and rewatch it, not to look up if there was uh, extended uh, an extended session. But I liked the uh, I don't know maybe the last I think second to last pin ultimate for those who mm. like dictionaries nice. uh, slide that the Dick Sporting Good had guy had, uh-huh. and it had the usual sort of like, and I mean usual in a good way, uh, usual sort of like things we learned from our digital transformation or whatnot. <laughs> But there, there were there were two at the bottom that were. Uh, I think they were things that you normally wouldn't see people admit to. However many hundred thousand or so people, hundreds of thousands of people who are in the room and will watch the videos. And the first one was, uh, you know, the cultural change of, of of changing the skills and the norms and the structure. I mean, he was pretty blunt. He was like, "We're going to lose some people. <laughs> like, yeah, they're just not going to like it, and they're either going to like sandbag and." like not go along with it or they'll quit. And, and that was, um, that's usually not something that people like to admit, but I think, I think it's helpful to say these things because it's, uh, it's sort of confirming and soothing that like, if you're trying to do this and you're having difficulty retaining people, like that's totally normal. (laughs) Like that's unfortunately going to happen. It's not because you're necessarily doing something terribly wrong. It's just that that shift is difficult. And then, and then the second thing he said, which, I mean, I, I, this is, this is remarkable to me because I don't know if I've ever seen someone say this is like, oh yeah. And then we're light on design talent, (laughs) which, which is another thing that I imagine given, uh, that most people are not product centric around aerosol spray cans, uh, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. Probably designers are something that most organizations don't have. And so it's a, a, um, uh, a function that you'll need to be on the lookout for for hiring around uh not the aerosol spray can engineers but the software design people but he had a uh, he had a, a good and and again sort of uh frank talk and also he was hiring as i recall <laughs> of course he was <laughs> yeah again I, th- I thought vincent did a great talk the robo bank guy i thought that was that was good stuff were there other main stage talks that jumped out at you i know for me i uh my first get was neha from confluent back in, i think in february i asked mm. her and it was a leap of faith for her so I, it really meant a lot to me that she said yes probably just unwittingly like this seems interesting yeah but we weren't even really partners yet with confluent the creators of kafka but you know our, our neha is one of the co-creators of kafka but i thought her talk was just outstanding it was a good walkthrough of like why events matter how to think of events in the data-driven world as you start to almost turn the database inside out with some of these event streaming platforms so i saw it was a really great talk she just just nailed it and so it was one of my favorite talks of the show and my other technical talk i really liked i mean all the spring team always does a great job you can just tell how much they prepare for this and and that again i respect that a lot michael manella had the unenviable spot of like closing the show and talking about batch and <laughs> like and i'd asked that team i said look give me kind of an oldie kind of golden oldies talk for the last day like help us remember something that's actually really cool in spring not just always like latest and mm. greatest sometimes just like what's good like what's already mature and awesome and so i just thought he really did a, a wonderful job setting up why batch still matters here's an example of using it with things like data flow even a newer technology but 
So, I mean, that was one of my favorite technical talks. I thought Michael really took a tough slot and did something really interesting with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think to, to, to go back to the, uh, the Kafka talk, as it were, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought she did a, a, a great job presenting it because it, 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 ha- it had that always difficult-to-achieve mix of, like, it had some interesting new, like, ideas about databases, and I guess Kafka people get upset if I called it a database but whatever your 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 data your place where data is that you based this your data on uh you know like going over kind of as you were saying like how how things change and why events become important and then yep. and then the other thing again that te- most technical people don't always has is man she was like super confident it almost like was part of the the uh the content on its own uh and you know most technical people including myself are just sort of like eh, take it or leave it but uh, afterwards, the sense I got is like, man, I got to use this stuff because it's very important <laughs> and it works. So yeah. that 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 was a good talk. It was it was uh, it was nice to have like some data talk up there from from someone who was uh, outside of of our overall community. Well, so uh, you know, we usually put these videos up very rapidly. When when yeah, do you think uh, we've got some keynote ones up uh, that you can go see? I think I think the the Dix one is up there, and probably all of the, all of the keynotes. But when uh, that's right, what, what's what's the trickle strategy that that we're gonna have? Yeah, we've worked with our uh, our vendor to actually render these super fast. So yeah, all the keynotes were online like by the end of the day of the keynotes, and then I think all the breakouts should be online this week this you know this last week of mm. or first week of october i guess we're in so people should be able to watch those um you'll probably see us starting to recap some of these in different blog posts as well as i don't expect you to watch a couple of hundred sessions unless you have a lot of free time so we'll try to <laughs> do our best to uh to summarize some of the the greatest hits across some of these different different talks but i know i when i look at the schedule i like I, I maybe watch five percent of the yeah. show. Like when I look at all the breakouts, all this stuff. So I'll be immersing myself in a lot of stuff just to just kind of hear what customers are talking about. Hear a lot of the engineering talks and some of the things coming. And you know, this is still not just customers talking. This is still how engineers explain what we're building and what matters and what's next. So a, a really good mix between the two. So tons of stuff to to watch. And then hopefully people attend Spring One Tour for kind of that little version throughout the year until uh, next year in Austin. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. There's a lot of them, and it's hard to see everything, you know. And uh, I need to redouble my efforts. I mean, given given what my job is and what I do and things I'm interested in, uh, I need to try to actually watch all of them because I I pull a tremendous amount of content from things I talk about from these uh, these Spring One platform videos and some CF Summit videos here and there but i mean as an example of how difficult it is i was uh there, there were some there were a couple of people from uh, mercedesbenz.io sort of like a uh consumer facing kind of browsing cars and scheduling things you know part of part of as we would say the funnel of getting a car and uh, i think some i think some post uh buying activities as well but um i was uh, i'm gonna have a podcast with them sometime i don't know in the next couple of weeks or time going over that and uh, I went back and watched their 2017 podcast from um, uh, a presentation from Spring One Platform, which I hadn't seen, and it was awesome. <laughs> and, and it, you know, it reminded me that like there's uh, there's an endless well of these things. But I think I think if you're interested in uh, whatever digital transformation is and agile and DevOps, it's it's well worth your time to allocate some time to sort of at least find three or four of those that tell these extended stories and kind of extract out. Uh, some what would you call them anecdotes as helpful tips uh right. that, that people have gone through 
And then yeah, I'll, I'll have to get those transcripts from you. And then uh, I, don't, I don't have to make transcripts yeah. on my own. I know. I've got a secret drive, which I may share with you. Mm, if you secret ask drive. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to, I'll look up in my little book how to ask <laughs> things nicely. <laughs> <laughs> then I will also endorse you for that. Oh, so, can so. I, skilled in asking things nicely. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, if you've listened to the past few episodes, I had, uh, I had an interview with, uh, with a couple of people, with Kyle, uh, who used to be at C- CSAA and not, now works at Smarsh. And then also uh, Thomas from uh, West. And uh, this idea of product thinking and what culture is came up in both of those conversations, which I'm sure a listener you have listened to in detail. Uh, but th- those are actually fun episodes to do there uh, on the in the lobby of the hotel. I think there was some Gwen Stefani as the soundtrack when Thomas and I were talking. <laughs> Um, and I think there's some follow-up interviews that I was I will have, like with the uh, Mercedes-Benz people. But uh, if there if there's any of the talks that you, the listeners, saw, and you think they would be good to have those people on here for extended conversations, you should send them to me. And then our sister podcast, Pivotal Insights, will beat them to talking to to customers that that are interesting. They're always much better at doing that, so I'm sure they'll have some people on as well. And uh, as always. Thanks for listening. This has been Pivotal Conversations. If you want to get the most recent episodes and you're thinking, oh, I should go listen to uh, those old episodes because uh, I was a teenager in the 90s and I love Gwen Stefani or, you know, or the early 2000s, uh, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Pivotal Conversations and they're all listed there. And then we post the show notes about every Thursday on Pivotal.io slash podcasts. Um, and uh, I'll put a link to many of the things we mentioned there and maybe things that we didn't. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.